Hello, 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 all perfect poop seekers. Welcome back to the IBS Freedom Podcast. I am joined as always by my amazing co-host, Amy Hollenkamp, registered dietitian to the stars. And I am Nikki, and we are going to talk poop 101. Strap in, folks. So, uh, Amy, shall we converse about poo? Oh my gosh, I can't wait. I was going to wear my poop emoji. <gasps> um, maybe I'll put all, when we, when Courtney posts about this, I'll take a picture of myself with it and there you have go. it incorporated somehow, but. I think that would um, be perfect. I was pretty hot and that costume gets a little warm, so I refrained. It doesn't seem like a June costume. No, it's not. Well, we could make it a June costume. I I don't want to totally disregard it. But yeah, I just was not. I was feeling a little hot today. I'm having a weird temperature day, to to be clear. I had a smoothie, and then I took a really hot shower. So I was cold, and then I was hot. And then I had hot tea, and so now I'm like... I feel like I'm finally settling into my temperature for the day. Well, I hope that this helps normalize your temperature. I mean, a good poo conversation can have that effect, surely. So Yes, for I'm, sure. I'm, I can't wait. I'm optimistic. Well, uh, it, it, I, I think in this for the structure of today's uh, today's pod, we could start off by talking about either color, consistency, frequency or the presence or absence of certain things like undigested fibers, mucus, etc. Um, where would you care to start us off first? Which of those appeals to you the most? Let's do the presence of things. I know it seems like a weird place okay. to start, but I no. feel like I get that comes up a lot with my clients of, okay. oh my gosh, I'm seeing stuff in my stool. What does this mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what what's your take on on having undigested things in the stool? I'm curious. It kind of depends what it is and how frequently it is. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know if it's like uh, as an example, corn. You know, if you have corn on the cob and then you have like a day or two of seeing some corn kernels in your poo, I don't know. Not super surprising. That's pretty common. Um, Sometimes it can point you in the direction of, hey, maybe you're not chewing adequately, right? Like if you have whole corn kernels, like maybe try to chew them up a little bit better. Um, Similarly, this might be TMI, but hey, you guys tuned in for the poo episode, so I don't know what to tell you. Um, I've noticed like I have a little thing of cashews up like on my shelf as a, a snack or a lunch if I forget my lunch. And sometimes I've noticed if I woof down like trail mix or cashews. One day, like, I will see little fragments of nuts in my stool after the fact. And I think that's more of a symptom of, oh, I clearly didn't chew that adequately. Like, I just kind of shoved it in my face and then hopped on a phone call. Um, And then I know a lot of people talk about, like, undigested fibers, like plant fibers and roughage showing up in their stool. Um, And sometimes, like, little bits of carrots or beets or green. Um, Again, I think it depends how often it's happening and, like, Corn and nuts, I could see happening because a lot of people underchew those things, and I think that's right. in the realm of poss- I think that's in the realm of normal to see right. some of that in your stool. Um, definitely corn, nuts, maybe, maybe not. Um, 
If it's like vegetable fibers, then maybe that's a bit more eyebrow raising for me. Um, if you eat something that's like really rough roughage, like I'm talking like the the stalk of kale or something, yeah. like I could see that coming out in stool and not really thinking much of it because that's pretty tough and fibery to digest. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it it requires a little bit more information. But what would you say to that same question? Yeah, no, I I pretty much agree with what you said. I think that you're 100% right. I'd probably think about the chewing situation. With corn, too, it's funny because everyone's like, oh, yeah, like corn poop. Like, I feel like people understand when we talk about that, what that looks like. And it's like, do we just all have a deficiency in chewing? Because corn tends to illuminate it. Um, Yeah. But I think yeah. it's that nice bright yellow color too. It really draws right. your attention. <laughs> right, right, one hundred percent. But yeah, I mean, I'd wonder too. Again, if there's like vegetable fibers, or if like every day you're having some undigested food in the stool that looks like carrot pieces or something like that. Uh, again, I'd wonder about overall digestion and i'd also probably wonder a little bit about your bacteria as well like do you have Mm -hmm. bacteria that can break down those fibers um especially if they're things that should be broken down like soluble fibers things like that in the stool but um yeah it can be one of those things where it probably takes a little exploration um but chewing your food certainly would probably be the number one thing to try if you yeah. have some undigested food in the stool. Um, and trying to pinpoint if there are certain foods that are showing up might also give you more information of mm-hmm. what to try after you know that you're chewing well and maybe it's still there, mm-hmm. uh, what might be at play. So I think you're dead on it. It's going to take more exploration to really figure out why the, there's stuff showing up in your stool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, you know, working from the top down, if you will, or like north to south, like, all right, maybe if that is a problem that you're struggling with, it could theoretically be because of insufficient chewing. It could be because of insufficient stomach acid or enzyme output, Um, probably less to do with bile because that's more going to have to do with fat. Um, But, you know, like you could always start with mindful eating practices and just slowing down, sitting down for your meals, like not woofing stuff down, like I described with just like shoving a handful of nuts in my mouth. Um, Do as I say, not as I do in this instance. But like, pardon me, start with just slowing down a bit and mindful eating and giving yourself more time to chew. And then if you don't see improvement in the span of, I don't know, a couple weeks, then I might think to things like betaine HCL or supporting stomach acid somehow. And then I might even think of like a digestive enzyme. Mm-hmm. Um, that would kind of be like the hierarchy that I would personally go through. But like I said, right. if you see like corn in your stool, maybe that's somewhat in the realm of, I don't know if it's normal or if it's common or if it's both. Um, but even if you're chewing the corn more and you still have some of that showing up, maybe it's in the realm of normal. And if it's something really, really really fibrous like you know the the fibrous ends of asparagus or the fibrous stalk of like a leafy green that normally we wouldn't be consuming then i don't know i i don't know we don't have ironclad stomachs i don't know if we can liquefy 
it metabolized everything. So I think that some roughage, depending on how rough the roughage is, could be in this in the realm of normal. Um, right. But certainly, chewing your food is never a bad idea. Yes. Yes. Hashtag chew your food. Um, yes. I think too something that you brought up with bile. Um, in terms of things that could be in your stool, mm-hmm. uh, I think things like fat is something to look out for. Yeah. Like if you feel when you poop, your poop is um, shimmering in some way. There's a shimmering Ooh. quality to it, which that might sounds nice. It does sound nice. It's not necessarily that what you want, but it does. I like the idea of like shimmering. But like if unicorn you... poop. Right, right. Well, this shimmering is not a good thing, though. It it is something that you want to be a little careful with. But usually if there's like a greasiness or an oiliness, like a shining, a film on the the top of the toilet water, you want to be a little careful with that because it can be fat malabsorption. Yep. um, Or that you're not digesting your fats well. Yep. And that could be more of a bile issue... Or or, pa- or pancreatic enzyme, yeah, as well. for sure, for sure, pancreatic gallbladder, um, yeah. even liver. Like if the liver is not producing enough bile, yeah. there you would want to explore some areas uh, with fat digestion. Like what could be blocking that? But I always like I usually ask most of my clients, do you have any film in the toilet or? Yeah. Um, any particular and how often is that happening too because you could also have a random day that maybe your gut was irritated or something and true have that once like maybe you had ice cream or something and it was higher fat than you usually would eat mixed with sugar and your gut just didn't like that um Mm -hmm. but if you consistently have fat in the stool that's definitely something to work on and investigate further I will add, too, I think some of the descriptors you used were great, like a shimmeriness, a coat, or like an oil slick, mm-hmm. uh, or like a greasy quality. Um, one patient a while back actually described it as, she said that her stools were foamy. I was like, mm. really? And we, I hadn't heard it described that way before. So we had her do some stool testing. Um, I think just run-of-the-mill lab corp stool testing, like fecal fat analysis, and it yeah. was indeed elevated. Um, and getting her, uh, I I forget now for her if it was bile, like ox bile type support, or if it was pancreatic enzymes. I think actually for her, I think the bile support didn't really do much to help that, but the pancreatic enzymes that contained some lipase really really helped her. Actually, um, but that did go away when we started treating for like fat maldigestion. It's just yeah. you've got to figure out where it's coming from. It's like, is it more gallbladder? Is it more pancreatic? Is it brush border enzyme related? Is it liver related? Um, you know, what is what is driving that fat malabsorption? But those are all symptoms. I would also add too, if your stools are really light in color, yeah, like. And this kind of segues into another part of the conversation, which is color, but your stools should be like a nice, you know, milk chocolate or Tootsie Roll brown. And if they're lighter, if they're like khaki color 
or like a tan or like a light brown color, that could also be a sign of fat malabsorption or fat maldigestion. So look out for like a paler color to your stools for this too. Such a great point. I'm kind of holding back some laughter because I love the choice of the the color descriptors that you used were foods. Yeah. Which I think is kind of funny when we're talking about poop. You guys will never look at a Tootsie Roll the same way again. Right. Man, I love Tootsie Rolls. I did. I I pounded down quite a few Tootsie Rolls in my day. I think they have a little bit of dairy, I want to say. There's some reason why I haven't touched one in a number of years. I want to say it's a little bit of dairy. That sounds Um, right, honestly. I haven't had a Tootsie Roll in a while either. Fun fact, Um, not related to Tootsie Rolls. Did you know that apparently in Japan, they are big, big fans of Kit Kats And they have like eight gazillion flavors of Kit Kats. And it's somewhat, I don't know if it's common or tradition, but like it's common to give students a Kit Kat before like they take a big exam. I forget why. I think think the word Kit Kat sounds similar to a Japanese word that has some meaning behind, I don't know. Anyway, I think that, you know... Where were we in this conversation? I'm just thinking about Tootsie Rolls and Kit Kats. We we had segued off of um, from the fat malabsorption. Okay, the piece, colors. We had gone into colors. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Is there any is there any other stool additive that you would like to talk about other than I? Well, actually, I will interject and answer my own question. How about mucus? Mm-hmm. If somebody says that they have a lot of mucus in their stool. What sort of things would you start thinking of in that case? Because those, I think those are the big ones that I ask about in my paperwork. Right. Color, you know, consistency, presence of undigested food, presence of fat or like a greasy quality. So I think mucus, oh, mucus and blood are probably the last two to round out this part of the conversation. So let's talk mucus. Mucus, you know, typically if there's some mucus, I'm thinking inflammation. Um, a lot of my strategies around mucus are going to be more anti-inflammatory, which a lot of times I'll have just generally some anti-inflammatory things, um, going on, but that might be a a big factor that I, that I'd hone in on as some anti-inflammatory type strategies. Mm -hmm. I think blood wise, like I definitely have them go get, get checked out, maybe endoscopy, kind of get things looked out, looked at to make sure we're not missing something like an ulcer or mm-hmm. anything more serious, uh, especially if it's showing up in the stool that they can see. Or even like something like Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, those yeah. types of things. Yeah. Well, and I would add, um, again, still the conversation of how often does this happen? Right. And like, how notable is it? So theoretically, like, you could have a hemorrhoid and... Yeah have just like a little a little you know something of bright red blood right when you when you wipe maybe it's just blood when you wipe but it's not really in the bowl so much you know like if that was the case i would be inclined to have the patient like grab a mirror kind of straddle something in the bathroom and (laughs) try to take a look down there and see like not that any of us are trained to know what a hemorrhoid looks like but, you know, that might be something where you kind of go, oh, okay, whatever, it just looks like a hemorrhoid, or it feels like a hemorrhoid, or 
you know, maybe you get like, a. I had a patient who had a laser procedure done for chronic hemorrhoids and it was really, really helpful for her. It just, it was like a laser, um, like cauterizing kind of technique. And it was just a quick in and out kind of procedure. And it was really helpful for her. Um, so, you know, if it's a hemorrhoid, you can either treat that or you can just kind of leave it be and try not to strain and aggravate it. If you're seeing bright red blood and it's in the stool or it's in the bowl, especially if it's more chronic, then I would start thinking about things like colon cancer, ulcerative colitis. Um, you know, I don't think microscopic colitis would do that so much. I think that's going to be more ulcerative colitis that will produce blood. But if you're seeing bright red blood in the stool or in the bowl and it's not just isolated to wiping like a hemorrhoid, then I would start to think like, ooh, you need a colonoscopy, maybe two, just right. just to be sure. Um, if it's a darker blood, mm-hmm. then I would think it's higher up in the system. Right. Like maybe um, depending on where the Crohn's is, because Crohn's could be small bowel, large bowel, or both. But you might start thinking more Crohn's or even like an ulcer right. uh, to a, a point where... Um, I know when my mom had her, and I'm using air quotes from the ER doctors, her geyser of an ulcer that almost made her bleed to death. It's funny now, only because she survived. But when she had the geyser of the ulcer that sent her to the ER a few years back, um, she had, it wasn't immediate. So for her, she started bleeding out really quickly. So she actually was hauled away in an ambulance and taken to the ER before she had a bowel movement, but when she did have a bowel movement at the ER, she like she came back out of the bathroom and was like, "Oh, like have you ever heard the term coffee ground stool?" And I'm like, "Yeah, in yeah. like pathology classes." She's like, "Yeah, because it looked like I just pooped out coffee grounds." Yeah. So if it's like black blood that yeah. looks like coffee grounds, I would think that you have an active bleed somewhere up in like the stomach or the upper part of the small bowel. If it's like a bit of darker blood, but it's not maybe that overt, then probably an endoscopy is your way to go anyway. Take a peek at the stomach and the small bowel. Um, But yeah, I think unless it's like a fluky every now and then, oh, I think it's a hemorrhoid kind of thing. Blood usually merits getting a camera put in one end or the other or both. So that's usually a pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm glad you talked about the different colors of the the blood because I think that's confusing at times. Like if someone has like black looking stool, like mm-hmm. I think sometimes they're like, oh, something's not right here. Uh, but they don't necessarily think it's blood. Like I think sometimes yeah. there's like that situation. Um, but yeah, you're right. If, if they're just kind of wiping and there's blood sort of on the tissue paper. Yeah, um, a dollop. There's a dollop. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And I will a- say, too, like, keep your eyes peeled also, because if you take a lot of bismuth or if you take a lot of charcoal or right. clay, right. those things will certainly turn your stool dark or black if you take right. enough of them. So Yeah, or like... um GI detox is, has some of those yep. things in it or or binders like if you're on it yeah a lot that, of the binders right that blends of binders probably yeah. have some of those things in them yeah and that's a really really great point too because 
again, if you're taking a lot of don't activated, go to the ER. <laughs> right? If you're taking a lot of activated charcoal, there's a chance that your poop's going to be darker. Yeah, um, I'm just I'm picturing like somebody rushes to the ER. I have right? black poops, and the IBS Freedom Podcast told me I have an ulcer. Like, no, right? right. Yeah, yeah, but I I do think. The way that I've heard it described and explained um, is basically like the darker blood signifies a higher up bleed because it's like the blood has gotten a chance to oxidize and be kind of digestive a bit by the time it makes its exit versus if it's something happening in the colon, it'll still be like pretty obvious that it's blood. Um, You know, like if you have a lesion or a tumor or something in the last part of the colon, it's going to be pretty, pretty clear that that's blood. Um, right. Which is why you start thinking more about like colon cancer, colitis, that sort of stuff, as opposed to, you know, a stomach ulcer or Crohn's. Right. 100%. And I feel like we're kind of dipping our toes into color already. Let's do what it. Are, what are some Let's of the other the colors? Green. That's another uh-huh. interesting color that we should talk about. I think okay. usually if there's a, green in the stool things are moving more rapidly through the the small intestines Mm -hmm. um it has to do with bile absorption or the in the it not absorbing reabsorbing properly and Mm -hmm. so when you poop out green stuff or if you're if your poop is green um it's probably a pretty rapid trans transit reaction Unless, again, yeah. you're eating green, a ton of green foods. Let's say you had, like, a green smoothie. Like, these are yeah. all things that you would need to rule out. We don't want people to just, like, immediately think that there's a, a major problem. Um, but, you know, it's something, if, if again, you see green, it, that could certainly be that things are moving through too quickly. Mm-hmm. Or, again, maybe you're not, there's other reasons why your body's not reabsorbing bile what's affecting Mm. that process um that you want to explore sorry side note tangent really quickly though one more thing that can turn your stool black iron supplements Mm. look out for that too not all of them will do that but some of them will sorry to totally interrupt i just i wanted to make that point before it flew out of my brain again no you're, Um, you're right on the money cool um yeah i think green i would say also like a like a really sickly yellow color. Like I'm picturing like, you know, the the color, this is the only way I can describe it. You know, the color yellow that's like got a little tinge of green and it's like that color that they used to use on everything in the 1970s. Right. Like, like if you've ever been to like an old house or an old place where it's like, Oh, the corded, landline phone is like the sickly yellow color and the and like the the wallpaper and like the the laminate is this weird yeah they were all about like like, the avocado green and the really nasty sickly yellow color were really big in the 70s for some reason yeah um i think ella degeneres in one of her stand-up specials called it smoker's teeth yellow oh my god (laughs) but um like i think that is somewhere between green and yellow, like that whole kind of spectrum would make me think bile acid malabsorption, right. fat malabsorption, like rapid transit time, kind of all of that sort of conversation. I kind of clumped together between yellow right. and greenish. Right. Um, 
So yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and also, what are you eating? Because yeah, yeah, if you're doing green smoothies and salads all day, every day, then maybe a little bit of that is going to escape into your stool. Um, but yeah, I think um, another one, there's only one food that I know of that'll do this. But when I was pregnant, I damn near had a heart attack. It was early, I was like, end of my first trimester of baby. And I remember I went to the bathroom, wiped, looked out of the toilet, and like the the bowl water was pink, like pink, like pinkish reddish color. And I could tell that some of it was like in my bowel movement. And I just about had a heart attack because I thought, first I thought, oh my God, I'm like bleeding from the inside. And then I thought, oh my God, I'm having a miscarriage. Because that was the first gut reaction was, oh my God, there's like blood in the toilet. I'm having a miscarriage. And then I realized that like a day or two prior to that, I had beets. Yeah. Frickin' beets. So I I could not bring myself to eat beets for the rest of my pregnancy because it freaked me out so badly. <laughs> I was like, I cannot go through that trauma again. Oh my I thought gosh. I thought I was either like you know, gonna lose the baby or have, I don't even know, like, have to have like surgery for colon cancer while I'm pregnant or something. I just, it was not a happy time. Um, But it, this all happened, the realization happened over the course of maybe like four seconds, but it was a very stressful four seconds. So be careful of beats. Well, maybe your poop was just trying to tell you you were gonna have a girl. Maybe. The pink. Oh. Yeah. Wouldn't that be funny if instead of those cute gender reveal parties, you pooped out either blue or or pink? Is this an idea? Um, so funny that you say this, actually. So you have no idea how perfectly you have set me up. Oh, Oh my gosh. Joy. Are you, are you familiar with the blue poop thing that's been going around on the internet? It's so popular now. It is. I actually, so I was just like mindlessly scrolling on Instagram and I saw like a, it was like a blue colored poop emoji, like front and center on this post. And I straight, I was like, this is clickbait. This is dumb. Like, I thought it was one of those like hack accounts that's like intentionally ultra controversial just to like get the clicks. And I I laughed at it and I didn't look at the post for the longest time, longest time, like a week. But eventually I was like, all right, I'm going to read the actual post because I saw it a couple times. And lo and behold, there was a recent article titled, and I kid you not, I shit you not, people. The title is Blue Poo, Impact of Gut Transit Time on the Gut Microbiome Using a Novel Marker. And the the whole gist of the story was, here, let's see, uh, methods. We assessed interactions between the taxonomic and functional potential profiles of the gut microbiome, uh, gut transit time, measured via the blue dye method, uh, and cardiometabolic health and diet in 863 healthy individuals. And they literally, they fed people two blue muffins, and then they waited to see how long it took them to have a blue poop. And it was really interesting to read through this. And I just had a couple of points to share. Um, But one of the things that I was actually generally surprised by was uh, how long the total transit time is. Um, 
like, you know, food can go through the small intestine, like the stomach and the small intestine and get to the colon, arrive at the colon within, I don't know, like an hour or two or three. That's why SIBO breath tests, the cutoff for differentiating small bowel versus colon needs to be at the 90 minute mark for glucose, maybe even the 60 minute mark for lactulose. So I knew that that's how long it takes for stuff to reach the colon. But then the total transit time, mouth to anus, they were saying that in people, hold on, let me actually find it here. Are, were these people that had gut issues or were they just nope. healthy controls? Nope. These were just healthy, healthy normals. Okay. Um, but they did say, let's see, hold on, hold on. Oh, poop. Pun totally intended. It's it's in here somewhere. I remember basically like for people who have stools that are looser, like more verging on diarrhea, like Bristol stool scale, which we'll get to in a minute, you know, Bristol stool scale of like type, you know, six or seven, uh, they had a total gut transit time of like a day on average versus people with constipation or Bristol stool scale of like one or two. The average, I think the average, uh, or no, I'm sorry, the median transit time for people with type one stools was five days. Five Whoa, days. Oh, average. Yeah. Holy yeah. And it's, it spanned the gamut. Like I'm looking at, there's a, a charty thing. I don't, I forget what you call it. Whisker hair graph or something. I don't know. But like I'm looking, the, the mean is that it looks like about five and a half days. It's a hair over five days for type one. But the range, uh, one of the points was just shy of two days. Another poor soul, or maybe two, I can't tell if there's two dots there. Another couple of people had total transit times around like seven and a half days. That's wild. So if you have type one stools, like little marbly pellets, uh, you're probably looking at a transit time of about five days to go from mouth to anus versus, again, people with looser stools, like type six stools, the average, the mean was about uh, a day. And it looks like that's it's similar. So it looks like if I'm kind of eyeballing the graph here, it looks like the mean for type one is five days. Type two is about two and a half days. Type three is right on the money at two days. Type four day and a half and then type five and type six it looks like about a day um yeah so it was pretty interesting to think so it it took some people five days to see that blue poo from that those two muffins yeah so type four you said was um a day and a half so that middle yeah it looks like yeah it looks like the you know how they do the the charts with the standard deviations and whatnot it looks like the span for the first standard deviation is between one and two days. And it looks like the median is just a hair over a day, from what I can tell mm-hmm. here. I'll send you a link to the article later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was really pretty interesting. And it, it kind of begs the question, I've had this mentality with treating my SIBO patients for a while and my IBS patients, is that sometimes you need a symptomatic band-aid just to start addressing the constipation and get the bowels moving. Because if you theoretically, if you think that you're treating SIBO, right, and you ingest, say, oregano oil or berberine, 
And then it potentially takes the oregano oil or the berberine five whole days to get all the way through your system. Like, I don't know how well that's going to work. So sometimes, even if I'm treating, you know, SIBO or candida or leaky gut or dysbiosis, even if I don't think it's purely localized to the colon, sometimes I'll have people on like a little bit of a natural laxative like triphala or aloe just to kind of keep them moving so that we're at least, we at least know that we're moving the herbs and the probiotics and the therapeutic tools all the way through their system in a reasonable amount of time. But like five days, holy crap, pun intended again. Like how, how do you know if anything's working if it takes five full days to make it through your system? Maybe eight if you're the poor person who was all the way up at seven and a half, eight days. Yeah, good Lord. That is a long time for poop to be sitting in there. Yeah. Wow. I can hear, That's an I inter- can... It's an interesting study because it's like simple too. It's not like it was. It's not like they're doing anything crazy. It's like they're looking at poop colors. Yeah, it was. It was a pretty interesting study. Again, I thought it was straight up like internet bullshit when I first saw it because you know I saw the meme and I was like, "Blue poop isn't a thing." Like this is dumb. But the whole point is that you normally would never, ever see blue poop. So if they use a blue dye, you're going to be pretty aware when you get this through your system. So it's interesting. The other thing I thought that was interesting from this study was the correlation with the microbiome. And what they said was that there was a much higher, um, a much higher amount of three types of bacteria amongst people with the slowest transit times. People with slow transit times tend to have higher levels of acromantia, higher levels of bacteroides, and higher levels of allostipes, which was kind of interesting because all of those guys, particularly the first two, really like mucus. Like acromantia lives in the mucus layer. Bacteroides usually do pretty well in the mucus layer and they can degrade mucus. Um, allostipes is more known for a, as a bile eater, but I think it's in the same phylum as bacteroides, so it might do okay in the mucus layer as well. So I may, it kind of makes me wonder if the mucus has something to do with it, or if it's purely related to transit time, or if there's some, you know, meddling between the two. But I thought it was interesting that they were able to correlate that, especially acromantia. Acromantia was very notably higher in people with um, the the slower transit times, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, for sure. Because it's a good bacteria. Right. You want that. You want, you want acromantia in, in adequate levels. Helps but maybe not too much. Yeah, maybe yeah. not too much, though, is yeah. the question it kind of brings up. So right. I haven't read through the entirety of the study. I've kind of skimmed most of it, though. But I thought that was an interesting point to bring up. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, that blue poop. Did we cover the colors? I'm trying to think if we have any other colors that we missed. I feel like that was all the ones I could think of, certainly. And um, that's, that also sort of just brings us into frequency, too, because, mm-hmm. I mean, that study's a good segue. Um, yeah. What's your typical take on, like, frequency of going to the bathroom? Um I've heard from a lot of people different ideas or like slightly different uh, on yeah. frequency. What's your general take from a frequency standpoint? In my opinion, probably the ideal is one or two poops a day. 
Yeah. Um, I've heard people, I've heard experts say everything from, you know, you could even skip a day and have a bowel movement every other day, all the way up to some people say that you absolutely have to have three poops a day. Right. And I'm like, right. I don't know. Like, I feel like three poops a day sounds really ambitious for some of my patients. Right. And skipping a day usually would make me think something's up um, like every other day. So I think probably one or two bowel movements a day is probably right about where most people should be. Um, if you have a third bowel movement a day and you feel like it's like well-formed and it's not like a weird poop and you don't have any of the other issues that we've talked about so far, then maybe three is your normal. Um, but probably one or two is normal for most people from what I can gather. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I'm right on with you. It always interests me. Sometimes I'll speak to someone and they're like, yeah, like I'm only going once a day. And I'm like, well, that sounds good. Like, do you feel like it's, you feel like it's complete? Do you feel good after you go? Like, do you have any issues when you're going? It's like, yeah, I feel, I feel pretty good. Um, after that, I'm like, well, that might be totally normal for you. Um, and then again, they're like, well, I should be going three times a day. You know what you're saying? There's kind of some, some experts that say that. So I've definitely seen that with some of my clients. But I think you're right on the money. I think if you're going every day, um, maybe twice a day, that's usually what I shoot for, too. Um, Again, I think you could swing three times a day and and it'd be totally normal. But yeah, I'm usually shooting for a person. Yeah, yeah, it totally does. Um, And I think, again, it's okay to maybe miss a day here or there. Yeah. Uh, If you're stressed or something, or, like, usually there might be a reason. If you're regular every day, maybe your schedule's off, or you're traveling or or something. Right, Mm -hmm. right. So, I I agree with you. I think one or two times a day is typically what what I'm recommending as well. Yeah, and I think, honestly, I don't know if we have crystal clear research indicating, like, the absolute best is this. (laughs) I think it's just, like, people oftentimes will parrot what they are taught. And I can't remember what group, I I remember thinking that one group of people seemed really adamant on the three a day. I think it might've been my nutritional therapy practitioner Mm -hmm. colleagues were the ones who were like really pushing that three a day idea. I could be incorrect, but it was either them or the herbalists that I've hung out with. Uh, But I remember whenever it came up, I thought "Ah, three a day, Sounds like a pipe dream. I don't know if that's obtainable. And I would start to wonder if the person has looser stools at that rate. Um, But yeah, I I think one or two a day. And then there's going to be that bell curve of what is truly normal for the individual. So like probably most people fall under the one or two times a day being their normal range. And then maybe a couple people here and there, three is truly their normal and that's good. And maybe there are people who, you know, have like, five bowel movements a week and that's really truly their norm Um, but i think probably most people the the goal the hashtag goals should probably be one or two poops a day yes hashtag one or two poops a day no explanation (laughs) yeah yeah no yeah and put the most random picture like don't have it be a picture of poop like post a picture with like a cricket and then hashtag one or two poops a day tag us yeah um yeah, yeah. So I think that about uh, about covers the frequency question. The last thing I think that we haven't really talked about as of yet is the Bristol stool scale. So the quality. Mm. 
of said poops. So, you know, this is a chart numbered one through seven, one being little, you know, barbly <laughs> rabbit pellet poops, little individual pellets. Like raisinets, and little raisinets or whoppers. Raisinets, yep. Whoppers is a really good one to describe it. Um, you know, type two is like if the whoppers were all glued together, right? Like it's still lumpy and bumpy and clumpy, but it's at least like sort of a single unit. Um, type three, I don't know, like the glued together whoppers have a little bit more spackle between them. Like it's a little bit less clumpy and lumpy. It's kind of like a bar, like maybe a clumpier bar. What am I thinking of? Like a, a, do you remember 100 grand bars? I do. Yeah. Kind of like that. I kind of. I like that. We're we're thinking of all the the food food poop equivalents. I, I just had the best Instagram post idea. I'm not going to tell you about it because you're going to be so excited when I post it. I'm just going to tag you in it when I post it. Follow Triangle Guts for more information. Hold on. Um, I have to write it down because if I forget this idea, I'm going to be so mad. Oh my gosh. Well, I can't wait. Okay. You should not wait. So anyway, all right. Um, I like that description though. Yeah, like a hundred grand bar. Like it's, you know, a bit lumpy, but not so lumpy. Uh, would you like to take it away from here? Type four and beyond. I feel like I've monopolized the conversation. Yes. Type four is, I mean, I always describe it as like a smooth snake with no lumps or cracks. Um, that's what, that's probably the ideal uh, is type four. I've also heard it referred to as a sausage. Yes. A sausage Which, as well. If you no... enjoy sausage, maybe don't think of it that way. Right. Right. Sausage is a good one too. I And then type five is it's still formed, but it has it's less like uniform. It's a little bit yeah, looser. Like... <laughs> the the hand the hand motion that Nikki just made yeah. got me. <laughs> well, and I will admit I'm cheating a little bit. Like I actually have I have a copy of this saved on both of my computers, and I have it linked in my charts for patients. But like the way that I'm seeing it here, it's it's described as soft blobs. So it's yeah, like yeah. you know maybe maybe the snake got into an accident, right? Yeah, like it had a bad day. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yes. And then type six, you're getting into the full on like mushy consistency, truly loose, yes. not and totally water though. Correct, but it's loose. So this would be the first one that I think we would typically classify as diarrhea, right? Like the the really loose, mushy consistency diarrhea. And then seven is liquid consistency. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you want to be right in the middle of that chart. Like four, the smooth sausage or smooth steak is goals. And, you know, maybe occasionally dipping into type three or type five is probably okay. Um, or maybe one of those could be your norm and truly be normal for you. Um, but you don't want to stray too far to one of the other ends of the spectrum, certainly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, too, um, <laughs> I can't imagine not looking at my poop, but I, I, there are people that just don't look, really, which yeah. kind of blows my mind a little bit. But, yeah, I think, like, taking a look, you don't have to... 
stare too hard at it, look look it too hard in the eye, but I would take a look at it um, and Peek. see how see how it trends over time and with different strategies mm-hmm. too. I think that that's always the interesting thing. Like, um, you know, if you have a day that's more of a six, what might have been happening that day? I'll tell you right now, it's not always the food. It could be stress. It could be that your meal pattern's off. Um, Maybe you tried a new supplement or something that didn't agree Mm -hmm. with you. Like, there's so many different things that could throw off uh your poop a little bit um that's not food food can certainly do it but trying to Mm -hmm. look a little bit outside and maybe you had a hard workout that just kind of aggravated things a little bit or or made the poop a little bit more loose so yeah I'd, i'd run through some factors and see if you can kind of pinpoint it if you have a day that's off um and then again see how changing certain habits affect it is always interesting over time Mm-hmm. Yeah. And keep in mind that when you start a new therapeutic endeavor, whether it be lifestyle, diet, or supplements, keep in mind, again, the, the conversation of transit time. Yeah. Like if if you have those type one constipated rabbit pellet stools, you know, your transit time is probably like five, six days. So if you start taking a new probiotic... And then two days later, it doesn't cure your constipation. It's like, well, that's kind of a big ask. It might take a week or two for a new herb or a new supplement or a new probiotic or a new diet to really start working its magic on constipation just because of the nature of the constipation versus if you have diarrhea or like the looser stools, you know, the type five, type six, type seven, then the plus side, the beauty of it is that things are going to go through your system lickety split. And then you might actually see some significant symptomatic improvement in the span of like a day or two, which is one of the few benefits to having diarrhea. <laughs> like at least it's going to respond really quickly if right. you start doing the right things. So that's kind of the beauty of it. Right. Right. And I think one other thing to, I don't know if we talked about, but what about like smell? This is like oh. a, an interesting one. We didn't mention it, but Good I think one. smells a very interesting topic. Um, and and let's be clear too: your poop's probably supposed to smell a little bit, like yeah, it's um, poo. Right, right. There should be a little little um, poopy smell going on when you're when you're on the toilet. But um, you know, there's certain things that have a certain imbalances that can have a really distinct smell um to to look out for i'm thinking again if you have a and it's not always there when you have a hydrogen sulfide situation but if your Mm -hmm. poop smells like sulfur um that could certainly indicate that there's some hydrogen sulfide imbalances going on um oh yeah i'm thinking like major infections too like c diff comes to mind as having a very distinct smell. Mm. Um, But yeah, sometimes smell can be an interesting too. Or if you notice the smell of your stool changing over time. Yeah, true. Is an interesting thing to clock. What are your, what's your take on smells? I'm looking at something really quick. Hold on. I I am. She, She has a good resource, a good smell. 
I might. I might. No, it's, um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to see, find it because I don't remember which patient it was. Darn it. Hold on. Oh, it might help if I spell something correctly. Okay, I might have it. Might have it here. Ooh. Um, so I ask two questions regarding smell. I ask about uh, hydrogen type smell. Mm -hmm. um, and I also uh, like a, you know, rotten eggs, sulfury right. kind of smell to it rather. Um, and then I also ask if your poop smells like bread. Because every now and then somebody checks that bad boy off and it's like, oh man, now we get to have the candida conversation right out the get-go because that's real weird. It does yeah. happen though. Every now and then somebody selects that. And I did, I was actually able to pull up this note, interestingly. Um, so one of my patients, somewhat moderately recently, put this, this was a quote from her intake paperwork. When I asked about smell, she said, nothing identifiable actually smells like my three-year-old granddaughter's poop. And we actually ended up having an interesting conversation. I think that this was a case where, um, you know, she was struggling a lot with constipation. And we talked a lot about the microbiome, possibility of SIBO, possibility of candida. But we talked quite a bit about diversity because babies, when they're first born, have like the worst microbial diversity because they haven't been exposed to microbes for very right. long, right? Like they've been on earth for like a day. Come on. So babies, humans start out life with a very not diverse microbiome and they're supposed to get more and more and more and more and more diverse up until they reach adulthood, like the age of, you know, like 18, 20, somewhere in that range. And then you should have a plateau in diversity and it should maintain through adulthood. And then it's not until the senior years that you start to get a decrease in the diversity. So I thought it was interesting that she said that her poo smelled similar to her grand, her three-year-old granddaughter's poop, because basically she's saying her poop smelled like that of a very, very non-diverse ecosystem. Right. So we ended up having a really big conversation about diversity and how that might be pointing to lower microbial diversity. Because, like, your poo should have a smell to it. You shouldn't, like, walk in the bathroom and be like, ah, it's all roses. Um, right. But it shouldn't smell god-awful, like, clear the room either. And actually, right. Mike and I were laughing at this recently, this weekend, because we were just, like, kind of creeping on houses and apartments on Zillow, just like creeping around. And we came across some floor plans. I think it was for some apartment buildings where it's like the master bedroom. And then you actually have to go through the bathroom to oh get gosh. to the closet. Like the, you, the door to the closet and the door to the bathroom are right there. They're right next to each other. And I was like, oh, my God, this was designed by somebody who's never pooped in their life. Can you imagine if all of your clothes in your closet took on the aroma of poo? <laughs> like, 
Have have these people like what architect or what designer designed this apartment? And the funny thing was, we saw that layout and I think two different floor plans, two different apartment buildings. We were like, dude, this is not right. Like, and we were commenting because Mike, uh, Mike was kind of, he's like, well, and can you imagine too, like you're getting ready for work. You need an outfit for work. Oh, and then you can't get into the closet because I'm in the bathroom and you would have to go through the bathroom to get to the closet to get your outfit. And then you have to like sprint through the bathroom, hold your breath, get your outfit and then (laughs) run out the door. You know, like it just, it makes life unnecessarily complicated to have that kind of a floor design where you have to go through the bathroom to get to the closet for the master bedroom. It makes no sense whatsoever, but it was very fascinating because again, clearly the people who designed it have never pooped in their entire life. Yeah. Or maybe they poop roses or poop, their poop doesn't smell because they have low diversity, you know? Uh, yeah, maybe they have the diversity of a three-year-old. I don't know. What... Although I will say, Jess's poop definitely smelled when she was three. It's just not, you know, I know that she's working on her diversity. I'm not going to hold yeah. it against her. But, like, for fun fact, baby poop really doesn't smell at all up until you start feeding them actual food. Yeah. If If a baby is just purely breastfed and they're only getting breast milk, I can't speak to formula, but if a baby is totally breastfed, the poop really doesn't smell much at all. And it's very just mushy gushy. But the like the moment you give that kid a bowl of like mashed peas or mashed carrots, woo! That's uh. when you get the smelly poops. So FYI, don't don't be fooled when you have kids, Amy, and think like, oh wow, I have the only baby on earth that doesn't have smelly poop. You just wait. Oh god. It's coming. And I knew I knew that, but it was still weird to remark because you know, like all of these comedy comedy videos and comedy movies where like the father's changing the diaper and he's like gagging. And if it's a newborn, I'm like, no, they're lying. That that father is not gagging right now. If it's a six month old, definitely. Right. right. Yeah, I think it'd be cool too for us to do a, a podcast on like children's guts or like the, the development of the microbiome for babies. Yeah, that could be cool. Children. Um, cause that's an interesting process. Um, and I think we'd probably eliminate a lot of problems if we could do some things early on. And there's mm-hmm. always going to be like, oh, you get an infection, taking it, there might be antibiotics at some point and there's going to be yeah. disruptors at some point, but building resilience early on, uh, is, is something that I'm really interested in and just in general. But by the time people find us, there's been years of things that have been disrupting. The um, shit hit the fan years ago. Right. How many poop right. jokes can I squeeze into one podcast? And I, I think I'm getting up to like the, the top of my game right now. You um, are an Oscar winning yes. podcaster. In- I don't I don't just want an Oscar though. I want oh god, what is it? Oh, Shoot, I can't even finish my own joke because I don't remember is, the reference. Is it the office thing? What's it called? A Dundee? Oh, I would love a Dundee. You want no, a Dundee it's, for um, the most poop jokes on a podcast? Did you did you ever watch 30 Rock at all? I have watched it recently. Armand really likes that show. I knew I liked your husband. He likes yes. The Office and 30 Rock. He's a good one. Uh, he's a keeper, yes. for what it's worth. But uh, Oh, EGOT. I want an EGOT. 
That's oh, so yes. Yes. Tracy Jordan in one of the, I forget what it is, like season three or four. He wants uh, an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. And he makes himself this asinine necklace that says EGOT. And it's all like studded in diamonds. And he becomes determined to get an, uh, an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. So I don't, I don't just want the Oscar, man. I want, I want EGOT. You want it all. I want it all. No, I don't actually. I would, I would not be a good famous person. I think I would just like crumble and cry, <laughs> like lock myself in a, a dungeon until oh, no. people forgot about me. I, oh, I can only handle my, my middle amount of fame on YouTube. That's about it. Yeah, your poop fame. <laughs> That's right. Woo-hoo. But oh. um, what else do we have to say about poo? I feel like I'm just about out of uh, clever witticisms and knowledge nuggets. I think yeah. I interrupted you with yours, though. <laughs> no, you're you're good. I I'm I'm trying to think of the only other thing that I can think of is that you don't want to shoot for your poop to look like the poop emoji. That's not the goal. That's a good so point. So just just throwing that out there. Let yeah. let that settle in. I love it. I love the poop emoji. So cute. But it's cute. But it's not what you're what you should be shooting for it's not it's not uh not anatomically accurate what would it be yes. instead it's Physi- not physiologically biomedical i don't know it's not accurate yeah yeah it's not what we should be shooting for that i feel like would be more like a six where it's, yeah it's kind of lumpy uh, maybe, maybe a five maybe, maybe i could see five. it being a five i, I would say uh five and a half <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll split the hairs on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, side note: Did I ever tell you? So I, I cracked up. I'm going to pick on a company just a little bit, and it's not a true dig at the company, but it did crack me up a lot. So maybe like two, two and a half, three years ago, somewhere in that range, um, I got a box of kits for the GI Map stool test, and I open up the box, and I kid you not. They had in there several, you know, those like squishy stress ball things. Yeah, that, like, I've seen foam. it. They they use it in their marketing materials. I, yes. They call it something. I forget what it is. They have a name for it. We should look it up, honestly. Oh, no, no. Hold on. Um, Amy, do entertain our guests for a moment. I'm going to bamboozle. Keep them entertained. Oh, oh, my gosh. So... Nikki, I'm just going to narrate. When Nikki is scrambling into the back, she's probably going to find this little poop emoji squishy thing. But, yeah, I I wish I remembered the name. I'm, I might look up Diagnostic Solutions, and I could probably find it on Instagram what the name is. But I think it was so funny when I saw it. Let me see. There we go. They used to use it a lot. I haven't seen it more recently. Did you... F- oh, Nikki's coming back. You back? <sighs> I'm back, and I'm disappointed. I think my kleptomaniac child stole my poop emoji, Squishy. So I was going to tell you the name because it's printed on the bottom of the poop emoji, Squishy, that they send you. Penelope! Yes, there we go. Thank you. Yeah, Penel- Penelope the Poop. My, I found it on my... There you go. Yeah, Penelope the Poop. And that is by far the weirdest 
marketing <laughs> effort I have ever seen from a reputable company in this field. Because what happened was they sent they sent like one or two Penelope the Poop squishies with this box of stool test. And I open up my box and I'm like, what the heck is this? Yeah. This is the most random thing ever. And there was a printout. There was a piece of paper in there that said, uh, it explained, hi, this is Penelope the Poop. Um, take her with you when you go to conferences or when you travel and then take a selfie with this poop and share the hashtag, hashtag Penelope the Poop. And I was like, I'm weird and I love poop and I am not willing to do this. Right. Like, mostly because I get, like, it's just like a marketing thing, like, you know, right. if you if you can con me into taking a selfie and using your hashtag, then some of my friends are going to click on the hashtag and then they're going to be like, oh, I better use that stool test. But what was weird is like, what clinician would make a choice that way anyway? Like, right. what clinician is like, you know, oh, hey, Dr. Bill, how did you choose the stool test that you use in your clinic? Well, I'll tell you, Bradson. I saw an emoji poop on an Instagram selfie that my granddaughter took. Like, nobody's basing their clinical recommendations off of selfies on Instagram with a poop emoji. So it's just, it's like a really bizarre thing to spend money on. And yeah, I mean, I have a Penelope the poop, but I'm pretty sure my kleptomaniac child stole it from the work office as she calls my office. Because oh she just comes here and runs amok sometimes, and she she steals things. She oh, stole my favorite pen. She's a, she's a thief. Yeah, she well, stole my favorite pen. She stole my poop, poop thief, emoji. To be clear, she's a Apparently. poop thief. Well, right and now, did I tell you I'm straight up trying to bribe her? Really? Goals, because I want to take a peek at her microbiome. She has come of age, so oh, I want to do a thrive test on her to take her poo and set it yes. off to the lab. Yes, so I'm trying to get this child to let me do a poop sample, and you yeah. would think that I'm mining for gold. Oh but she finally, now the bribery has resonated, because initially I told her she's been, she's had her eye on a set of Frozen 2 Anna and Elsa dolls. Oh. So I told her, you let me catch your turd and send this off. I will buy you those. And we will go the same day. We will go to Target. We'll get you those dolls. It'll be a great time. Well, now the bribery has somehow morphed into that I will buy her any toy she wants at Target. And that I'm really scared now because now I'm committed. And I'm like, totally, I'll do it. Sure. Same day. You poop, we go. But now I'm like, is she smart enough and cunning enough that she's going to realize that she needs to buy the most expensive toy in Target? Yeah. Because if she's really, like, outfoxing me, she's going to get, like, a $300 Lego set. And I'm the idiot that told her, any toy you want. But I'm a little scared. I hope that I get off a little bit cheaper than that. But I don't know. Well, it's going to be hilarious because did you think that this is what parenthood was? Like, when you were young, did you think you were going to oh, no, no. be bribing your child for her poop, something we literally flushed down the toilet? <laughs> Never. I also, <laughs> I, 
I imagined when I had children that they would be just like me and they'd be really easygoing and chillax. She has opinions. Yeah. And she, we say on a weekly basis, we're like, well, we never have to worry about her not speaking her truth. Because Jess is all about speaking her truth. No matter what. Your feelings be damned. So, yeah, I think she's going to be a lawyer. Because she's very, like, opinionated and stubborn. And she's actually surprisingly good at convincing you that she's right and you're wrong. Oh, hold on. No. Okay, we're just going to go down this tangent for one more nanosecond. Because I realize we have now completely veered off. I also have a penny Penelope picture, which I wish they just called her Penny Poop, not Penelope Poop. That seems Penelope like a, is kind of a biggish name. It's long-winded. Penny Poop would work just fine. But while you're looking, look at this picture. <laughs> Do you see it? <laughs> yes. This is the first picture that they ever posted of anything on uh, on Instagram. Is this picture of like Las Vegas or something in the background? Yes, it's a. Uh, you have to this get Las like Vegas. Penelope we are going to like... Las Vegas. What? Oh my gosh. We are going to Las Vegas, woman. You need to see Vegas. Yes. Penelope Mostly Poop literally for the looked... buffet. Penelope Poop looks like she had a drunken night out. This is like a drunken selfie. Look at her. <laughs> that is magnificent. I really do appreciate it's like that. It's like blurry too. Like It is. It's not a good you... quality photo. Right. It's it's so funny. Oh my god. It it literally looks like this little poop emoji had a drunk made out. I feel like, honestly, like, would it make me a creep if I did start taking pictures of the poop, but I didn't use their hashtag? Because really, that's the rub for me is like, I don't want to give you free marketing. Right. For, I mean, not free. They had to send me the poop emoji. But, you know, like, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, I'm not going to, like, feed into your system. But right. maybe, maybe I should start taking the poop photos and just not using their hashtag and not tagging them. Oh my gosh. Um, Honestly, that kills me. That first. If anyone ha- is not watching this on YouTube, go you to out. Diagnostic Solutions on Instagram. First picture that they posted of Penelope Poop and just take a look at it. It is glorious. Do they have equally good photos? Like, is am I missing no, out on a smorgasbord like, of I feel like they photos? kind of do it on person. This is a wedding chapel in the background. <laughs> Who's doing this? I, I have to read the... the. Uh, Penelope wishes you a healthy gut and a happy Valentine's Day from Las Vegas. And it was on uh, February 14th. But I like how it's, like, literally blurry. Like, the picture And they of didn't Penelope. get all of her in. Yes. Like, they kind of cut off part of her mouth. Yeah, this is very confusing in multiple ways. I like um, this one, too. Like, it's weird. On the cop's shoulder. <laughs> Oh gosh! Maybe I'll have to follow them just for the lols. As well, the kids it would doesn't. Say. It doesn't look like like the recent posts. It took me a while to get back to Penelope. I think they ditched Penelope at some point. Oh, it's really freaking weird. Not Penelope's gonna, like, out of the job. I'm weird, and I like talking about poop, and I'm not bashful. I would totally take a weird picture or a weird selfie and put it on Instagram. But for I, I opened that up and I was like, oh. Like, why did they spend money on this? Like, I can't imagine how many hundreds of dollars they spent right. making Thousands those poop emojis and printing Penelope the poop on the bottom, the bottom of that squishy thing. Like, I yeah. don't, I don't, I don't get it. But let's go back. Let's go back to my child for a second. Okay, I found the post. So, Mike posted yesterday the following. 
uh, Jess looking at a graveyard. I think they were walking home from preschool. Jess looking at a graveyard. Jess, Dad, are the people's eyes and mouths open and getting dirt in them? Mike, no, the people are buried in a coffin. Jess, but they're dead, so they shouldn't care. (laughs) And then Mike Hunt was like, thinking she has a point. How do I explain the concept of respecting the dead? No (laughs) No moss growing on this kid. She comes up with stuff like that all the time where you're like, you know, you're not wrong. Like, I don't even know how to dispute this because you're kind of right. But she does that all the time. She's outsmarting us and she's five and a half. We're host. We're totally host. But she'll be a really good prosecutor someday. Yeah. Yeah. Like vicious, vicious. Love it. Yep. Yeah, she'll scare the bejesus out of people in the courtroom in a couple of decades. So brace yourselves, people. Yes, yes. Well, I'm trying to think if we have anything else on poop. I feel like we covered everything if we got around to Penelope the poop. I think you're right. That that really right. rounds out the conversation quite a bit, I think. Yeah. Well, guys, as always, you know the drill by now. Uh, If you could send this podcast or a link or a name drop in one of your SIBO groups, one of your IBS groups, one of your health-related groups, then we would just so deeply appreciate that. Um, We want to get this information out to the people who need it the most. So wherever you can share the IBS Freedom Podcast and your love of it, that would be wonderful. And always, if you are on a podcasting app, if you could drop us a five-star review. If you are on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Click like, click the bell, drop a comment, whatever you want to do. Um, and then we do gather questions for the Q&A episode. So if you want to email us, that is ibsfreedom. Hold on, I always forget the email. Crap, 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 crap. Hold on, hold on. I'm getting there. Closer. pod, right? ibs.freedom.pod at gmail.com. We should have been consistent with the Instagram and the Gmail account. Right. That's what always throws me because one of them is pod and one of them is podcast. So the I never Instagram's quite know. Instagram's podcast. Okay. IBS.freedom.podcast. There we go. So Instagram at IBS.freedom.podcast. You can send us an email at IBSfreedompod at gmail.com or drop a YouTube comment and any of those locations, we will save your questions and do them in the Q&A episodes. FYI, Amy and I really don't have the time to dig through our email inbox on a regular basis and answer individual emails, but we will happily address your questions and try to help via the Q&A episodes when we do those. So until further ado, Amy, my dear, it was a pleasure as always. I enjoyed our poo conversation very thoroughly, and I look forward to our next conversation here on the IBS Freedom Podcast.